Hello and welcome to the Inspire podcast series. Today I'm talking about integrated care in practice, ignoring all the jargon and thinking about what it means in day-to-day work. Mark and Katie from the award-winning Fleetwood Primary Care Network share their story, the challenges, the pressures and the joys. And we hope this helps other areas think about the development of their own integrated care offer. All our episodes are raw and unpolished as together we go on a journey into unraveling addiction from every angle. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review and or rating this to help others find us. I hope you enjoy. Um, I'm... Andy Martin. Uh, I work for a charity called Change, Grow, Live. And today I'm joined by um, Katie Egan um, and Dr. Mark Spencer. Um, Would you like to say where you're both from? So I'm Katie Egan. I work for Inspire, Change, Grow, Live in North and Central Lancashire. Thank you, Katie. And and Mark, yourself? Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm a, a GP in Fleetwood. Uh, Fleetwood is a, a coastal community just to the north of Blackpool. Uh, so hello to everybody from uh, from Fleetwood. Lovely, lovely to have you both with us. And I just, I think today's conversation is very much starting to think about, um, there's a lot of, a lot of talk at the moment around integrated care. And I think to the purpose of today's conversation was really just to start thinking about what that means in in practice and um it's quite interesting in just preparing for today um I was having a little read over some of the work that's been happening in Fleetwood and I, I and I found Mark that um just over a year ago in fact now you, there was a quote of you saying that and at that time it was just five years ago we faced a severe GP recruitment and retention crisis with only eight GPs remaining from what would normally be at least 16 across the town. There was a genuine risk of collapse of general practice in Fleetwood. Developing primary care in Fleetwood has allowed us to move away from this traditional medical model. So just to start us off, Mark, could you maybe paint a bit more of a picture of where things and how things were like prior to you having this really integrated model? Um, yeah, I, I can. And I, I can go back sort of six or seven years, really. And um, as was, as you've said, common across the whole country, um, we were having difficulty replacing partners that had retired. Uh, I'd been in a great partnership GPs had got to sort of mid sixties uh, and retiring, and um, normally we would have a partnership of six uh, and four retired, left us with two, um, uh, and we tried to recruit and we tried to recruit and we tried to recruit and 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 we couldn't, and and that also coincided with a number of reports that were saying actually the health of of disadvantaged communities was getting worse and i'd i'd been a gp by then sort of 23 24 years in in fleetwood fleetwood a very disadvantaged community 
much lower life expectancy than uh, the the national population. Very high prevalence rates for for any long term condition that you can name, but particularly uh, mental health issues and issues related to smoking, um, uh, alcohol uh, excess, uh, and so on and so forth. And um, you know, I, I was as working as as hard as I possibly could. Nobody seemed to want to come and work in Fleetwood alongside me, and and the health of our population was getting worse. And and I was at a stage of thinking, well, you know, what 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 is the point? Why what why why should I carry on? What and 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 what I really really wanted to do was to make a difference for for my community and and yet over the 24 years the 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 health of the community was was getting worse and and so it 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 was really you know sort of walk away or try something different Uh, and i and then i just wanted to 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 do different, to to be different, to think different, and to act different. Was there and anything? At, see where it took us. Yeah. Was there anything at that time that influenced your different approaches or that idea to try a different approach? Was there anything you were reading, absorbing, noticing? Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. And I, I, actually, I, I I owe a lot to to a lady called Hazel Stutley. Mm-hmm. Hazel. Is retired now. Um, she was a health visitor uh, in uh, in down in the southwest of, uh, in Devon, and um, she was a health visitor in in a very challenging community. Um, and and she had been working in a particular way for a number of years. Um, and and the way of working that that she'd um, modelled was something that that was very attractive to me I, I could really see how uh, hazel calls it health creation that thinking about Im- improving the the health of a population rather than treating the population's illnesses but mm. but doing it by by actively listening to the residents themselves um and and empowering the residents to, to take far more control of what happens in their own lives and, and within their own communities. Um, and, and yet within healthcare, within the NHS, we're, we're forever people, forever telling people what to do. Yeah. And, and so moving from telling people what to do to, to a position of listening and giving up control it was the start of the journey that I've been on now for, for six or seven years and, and the journey that, that Fleetwood as a community is on. And um, Katie, I just invite you in at this point as well. I'm just thinking from a sort of drug and alcohol services perspective, what did the environment look like for you in the Inspire project at this sort of time? So, so back in the day, um, my, my job was actually um, the manager over sort of the Fleetwood area along with others. And we worked quite separately. Um, we worked across the road from each other. Um, our team were incredibly busy with um, lots of people seeking support for problematic drug and alcohol use. 
and um, primary care were incredibly busy, um, as as all GP practices are. So, although we had the same individuals that we were supporting, there really wasn't a connection between us as professionals. And I do remember actually, um, we held an event. At, uh, at Fleetwood at one of the community venues and I asked Mark if he would come and speak at it um, right. about his life as a, a GP in the town which he did do um, Nice very- one Mark <laughs> he, Well you know he stood up and said I'm a GP across the road so you know we're taking people on so come across he, he was quite <laughs> quite jokey and jovial and and really I could see there was a a passion there and a love of the community and then off the back of it Mark said to me um what this little meeting um I wondered if you'd come and that was the very first I think meeting to talk about using a a primary care network approach uh the terminology was different back then but right that's what we were talking about um i went to the meeting and i was absolutely like a fish out of water there, there must have been 30 people around the table i didn't know what they were talking about they were full of acronyms and i felt mm. intense kind of um you know when you feel consciously incompetent that's exactly how I felt at that meeting um and but I stuck with it and Mark I think I remember him being very supportive of me in that meeting at that stage um and that made a huge difference just to be um included really in a discussion about the needs of the community as a whole was a turning point for me. And uh, do you do you do you recall this kind of early time, Mark? And what were your thoughts at, at that point? Yeah, I, I, I recall it very well. And um, I, actually, the, the 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 meeting that I went along to, uh, the community meeting I went along to that, that Katie was just talking about, that that happened very shortly after. Very, very poignant consultation that that I'd had, which was only a week or two before, um, with, with a, um, a a lad, calling a lad, who's in his thirties, um, who had very severe alcohol problems, and um, he he'd had a, a a very very traumatic childhood, really horrid childhood and and began drinking heavily about the age of 12 or 13 and um he, he developed really severe liver disease from his from his drinking mm. um and during the consultation i'd said some i said something to him i suppose every gp every nurse every clinician might say this at some stage during their career and it's so trite and and i said to him look if if you don't stop drinking, it's going to kill you. And and he said to me, um, Doc, he, he he said, I, I know you're trying to help me, but it 
it's not the thought of dying that's stressing me out. It's the thought of living. Mm. Uh, and that consultation <laughs> still sticks in my mind now. Um, and and what, what he was talking about was, was a real sense of hopelessness. He, he had no hope whatsoever that his life was ever going to get any better. Um, and as, as a clinician, I, I felt completely helpless. There, there, was, there was nothing I could do within that 10-minute consultation that, that was going to generate a, a, a real sense of hope in, in that lad. Um, and unfortunately, a, a few weeks later, he, he, he passed away. And this, this journey that started then is, is around trying to build hope. Yeah. Um, it, it is such, such an important thing. Where, where there's hope, we, we tend to um, lead a more healthier life. Where, where we, we feel completely hopeless, we, we take on behaviors that are quite destructive just to help us get through a day it can be so hard to get through a single day and, and people will you know, take prescription medication will drink or will take drugs will smoke will will binge eat what, whatever comfort they can get from those activities to help them get through that day um so so creating hope is uh, is, is fundamental and and in doing that is the importance of building relationships um, and and I guess that's what where where Katie was was uh, going to that that importance of of the relationship that that Katie and I have, have developed o- over those five or six years uh, alongside uh, a large number of other human beings. You know, we're all we're all human beings, and get, getting to know each other as human beings, understanding each other. Um, going on this journey together because we want to go on this journey together voluntarily um, generates hope in itself. Yeah. And that's because that links back to you were taught from the quote that I um, used at the start of the conversation from yourself, Mark, um, you talked about moving from that traditional medical model and, and what it sounds like there is you started to realize rather than assessing what's wrong, it's that kind of that phrase of, finding what's strong and and that hope is at the at the forefront of that and as you're kind of uh, what I'm hearing what you're alluding to is you know there's not a medical model that can that can build hope hope is something that's built in communities and is built around people by lots of different types of support and almost absolutely and and um you know, I'd started off by saying that the health of our community was getting worse. Um, and, and yeah, over my time as a GP, we've had so many medical advances. We've had so many new treatments, new treatments for cancer, new treatments for heart disease, new treatments for diabetes, yeah, new treatments for infections. Um, so a whole raft of advances in medical treatment and yet the health of our community was getting worse. So you, you, you can't improve health by treating illness. No, but and it's it's interesting that you 
the pair of you talked about how, you know, Mark, you'd gone on that journey with the, I think it was the health visitor and the influence from there. And you were starting to look and reach out to partners. And I must stress you were doing this before this kind of buzzword of integrated care was, 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 was with us. And Katie talked very much about being willing to take part and bringing you in and inviting you to stuff. So great energy around that. I am going to be really awkward and be a little bit devil's Mm. advocate here and say, you know, when you talked about that, you only had eight GPs remaining across the team, et cetera. Obviously all this kind of reaching out and integrated care, lots of people would say, yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. You know, it's, it's, with what we can, I think it's very easy to see the benefits within that. But what about some of the challenges? Because there, there must have been in those kind of, as you, you know, you started, you'd made the connections, you started to want to work together more. But what were some of those challenges and, 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 and how did you overcome them? Well, um, the, the biggest challenge is time. Yep. Um, and, and people will always say to me, where do you find the time to do all this? <laughs> um, and, and you, you, you really do have to invest the time. Um, and, and, and you have to invest the time in a, in a very personal way. Um, so it, it's not simply a matter of, of turning up to a meeting Sitting in the corner, opening your laptop and doing your emails. Yeah, you, you you have to be present. You you have to want to to actively engage and actively listen and actively contribute. Um, and so the other challenge is identifying like-minded people who are there for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, as opposed to um, folks who just want to turn up and, and um, not contribute or, or, or turn up and be negative or or constantly wanting to go back to the medical model uh, yes. and, and reach back to their comfort zone of, you know, nice guidance and, you know, let, let, let's manage a certain situation with this drug or that drug because that's what our teaching is um the, the the biggest challenge though for me is is all around identifying that the locus of control um uh, and being willing to give up control um yeah. uh, and and allowing a little bit of chaos to happen and and uh, uh, allowing things just to to, to, to naturally happen rather than trying to force it. I, I think another challenge is, is, is to slow things down. We, we, we seem to be in a rush all the time to get from A to B, um, think, thinking that B is the right place to be. But I, actually, it, it might not be. Yes. Um, so so trying, trying not to define the outcome, the end point. I think is also a challenge because people like some sort of certainty of, of, of what you're doing. And particularly when, when it comes to commissioners, when it comes to CCGs and ICSs and the like, they, they like to read a strategy. They like to know what outcomes you, you're going to hit. 
um, b- before they'll start thinking about funding or supporting or resourcing something. And actually, this way of working do- doesn't really define um, an outcome, or because how can you how can you define Im- improving hope uh, uh, and improving health outcomes yeah. over 20, 30 years? Because that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about generations, not six month pilots. Yeah. So, so that's, and how, that's and, also a and so it's interesting. You raise time, and you raise that kind of outcomes or closed KPIs or whatever mm. you know you want to you want to budget as. Mm-hmm. Just Katie, did you find what were the challenges from the kind of drug and alcohol services world around it? So, I mean, what what I would say is um, for for us, it it was developing that mindset within our teams, recognizing, you know, um, and and getting to a point where we had a commitment to working um, around the wider determinants of, of health and not just focusing on somebody's problematic drug or alcohol use. That that took some time, but I think as we moved on and, and our clients and our staff tra- started to experience the benefits of, of integrated working for both them as, as practitioners and for the residents of the community, the, the sense of, of hope of, of doing something that was meaningful, doing a job that was meaningful and making a difference to a community, that, that's what started to ignite um, a passion for, for working differently. And the other thing that, that I would say is, you know, addiction affects every aspect of a person's life and undoubtedly the communities in which they live. And if you're struggling, it can be really hard to open up about it. People suffer in silence for a long time but we trust our GPs. So more often than not, a GP or another health professional will be the person that, that somebody first trusts to talk about their difficulties. Yeah. And for us to have those really good connections um, makes a difference to, to somebody getting the help they need or not. You know, Mark talked earlier about the example that sticks with him and and me actually for a gp that that has a waiting room full of people and somebody sat in front of them who who is being really honest about where they're at with their drinking and not being afraid of of dying but being more afraid of living we you know we learned from that and we thought about where's mark's connection there where where's Where's the long arm support from from our service? And I remember moving on a few years with um, one of one of Mark's colleagues had a, a client in a similar, very very similar situation um, in liver, severe severely damaged liver. Um, that GP actually got up from behind a desk and and walked that patient over to our building to the reception to see somebody because she knew that if she didn't do that, there was a very slim chance that that person was ever going to access the service they needed. And they did, you know, um, 
they did, which which is huge. It's huge, and it's exactly what isn't it? What we're all here for, <laughs> and what it's all about to a degree as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, and that's and then, the thing that Mark was talking about as well, because you know people want to do a good job. Yeah, people people want to feel like they they're making a difference, and working collaboratively in the way that we do now, I think. Um, has created a, a culture of hope across the teams that work in, in Fleetwood. I don't know if you yeah. agree with that, Mark, but that's oh, what I, I see. Yeah, I, I, I do wholeheartedly, Katie. So when I come back to that sort of GP recruitment retention issue, um, I, I do firmly believe that, that a large number of GPs retire early because they they no longer feel that they're making a difference that you know that over a over a day we we might see i don't know 40 40 people 40 patients if you want to label people as patients um very complex most of them um very difficult to to know how to even start to, to help people move on with their lives and 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 you go home at the end of the day really tired and and think actually have I made a difference to any of those people at all and, and the answer is probably no um, and uh, when you get to that level and and you're chronically tired every day and you're not actually helping anybody you do start to think what's the point why why am I doing this but but working in in this very integrated way where where you are um, on on a really good personal relationship level a, across multiple organisations multiple disciplines everybody has the same common aim the same sense of purpose um, and um, then actually you you do feel like together you're making a difference whereas an as an individual you you probably never could yeah and it's what i'm hearing from you both is some re- like really key themes which is you're both and do interject if i'm wrong but i'm hearing it's like you're both holding your hands up and saying yeah it takes a bit of graph this you have to put in the time yes there's still you know there might still be an element of tick boxes around your own individual um, outcome frameworks, whether that's your drug and alcohol service or GP or mental health teams or whoever it is. We've all got those reporting aspects. But actually, if you can commit the time to this and commit and in committing that time, it's like you said, Mark, it's about coming at it from a very human point of view. It was interesting before we started recording. Um, I asked you, Mark, actually, oh, how do you want to be introduced for the podcast? And you said, Well, you could just call yeah. me Mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is Thank and you. I think and I think that's what you the pair of you are really starting to draw in on, which is because you know, I'm the skeptic bit is often, mm-hmm. well, there's this, you know, we've got the these things to fill in or these things to report on, or I need to get this number of assessments done. And I think what you're both saying is you both recognize 
that that's still there. But actually what you then started to do was outside and around that was the committing the time to build the relationships across you all as partners. And actually that has then led to you feeling that you're starting to make more of a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and at the heart of all of this, at the heart of integrated working is relationships, human relationships that are built on trust and understanding. Um, and you know, I, I I do like to to say, you know, I'm Mark. I'm a human being who also happens to be a GP, who also mm. happens to to be the clinical director of of a primary care network. But most importantly, I'm Mark, and I'm a human being, uh, and I care. And I'm I'm talking with listening to Katie, who's a human being and cares. Um, uh, and I, I want to pick up with one one word that I disagree with you on. Marty, you, you use the word graft. You said you need to put the time in and the, and the graft. Yeah, yes, you need to put the time in, but this doesn't feel like hard work. It doesn't feel like graft. Because mm. again, trying to do things differently means not having a whole load of typical board meetings sat around a board table. Yes. It, it means going and having a cup of tea with somebody. It means yes. going and having a walk with somebody um obviously covid has battered that way of working but but prior to covid you know a a, a standard meeting between me and katie or or, or other folks would, would be let's have a cup of tea somewhere now last meeting was sitting on a bench on the mount wasn't it looking I, out it, to sea yeah it was yeah and i also remember the um the early network meeting that i think really helped us or it helped me anyway to get to know people was at madame two swords in blackpool with lunch in the rovers halfway through yeah yeah and and that's what i mean andrew about about doing things differently put put people in a different setting so we we did. I, I, you just reminded me what a lovely, lovely time we had at Madame Tussauds. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe 20 of us, again, multidisciplinary, multi-professional. We even had some teachers there as well. We um, uh, and we walked around Madame Tussauds and then we met up in the, the Rover's Return. We had a cup of tea and hot pot. And, and then we sat and talked about some stuff not not directly patient related stuff actually we the, the subject of, of the afternoon was failure um and and how to embrace failure and and how how to to be brave enough to continue to do stuff even though some stuff fails so the more you fail you the better you get so i have you know being brave enough to have those conversations being brave enough to do things differently and and have fun you, you build much better relationships having fun than you do sitting around a boardroom. You do. Yeah, that's, that's, is there, um, I mean, they're, they're really pow- powerful messages and I, I definitely as a, a practitioner myself, I can, I totally understand what you're getting at with that. I think for me, just the extension to that was what's it then in time as you've built these relationships and you've done that, so and and again, it's not graft. I like that. It is doing things that are fun. Um, but through that investing that time, what do you both sort of feel it's meant for 
communities at, at large thinking of Fleetwood as, as 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 your community but what what kind of feedback have you heard from the voices of those accessing your services it, it it's been absolutely phenomenal Andrew it it, it really really has um, as as people start to become more self-confident um particularly by doing things but by getting involved in in things um community activities that, that sense of community belonging uh overcoming social isolation being able to contribute to 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 the community in in any way in volunteering and and, and the like belonging to a community and and being able to actively participate in what that community does yes. improves self-confidence, in, in, improves people's own, own sense of hope for a better future. And, and what people then maybe subconsciously do is less of those activities that, that are bad for your health and, and more of the activities that are good for your health. Um, and, and I've seen... St- so many people who have reduced their alcohol intake, who have um, stopped using illicit uh, drugs, who have lost significant amount of, of, of weight, who have become more active, uh, who have come off mental health medication, who have come off uh, other medications, who have come off painkillers. It, 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 it's been phenomenal. Individual people's lives have changed beyond recognition. People getting into work, you know, getting jobs, uh, securing a home. You know, that those are the things that are really, really important to, to people. That those are the things that are health-promoting. Um, uh, and then all sorts of stuff around hospital activity. In, in the, the two years pre-COVID, for, for Fleetwood residents, so this is any Fleetwood resident, 28,000 Fleetwood residents, a&E attendances went down by 20%. Um, acute hospital admissions went down by 20%. So that's wow. across the whole community. Mm. But by, by developing this integrative way of working, coupled with a real sense of community involvement. Yeah, and I love that your focus was almost building people's, well, building love. I think I remember dropping in on a PCM meeting, Mark, and I'm going to steal your term, which I thought was fabulous which was about if people have got love they've got a home mm. and they've got purpose yep then they tend to be relatively healthy for want of a better yep. term and actually yeah. you then with the focus being that you get all the reducing a and e blah 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 mm-hmm. which is stuff that our communities quite rightly don't care about but actually we get that bonus yep. back by focusing on the right things to start with mm. Yeah, and, and and this is where I come back to the data side of things and, yeah. and 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 commissioners sort of dogmatic outcome <laughs> uh, driven uh, re- resource allocations be- because re- residents have never ever ever said to me, Mark, I really want to reduce A and E attendances. <laughs> and, and, and so that's that's never been a priority for us yeah. now, re- residents will talk about re- reducing social isolation 
that they'll 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 talk about more things going on in the town. They'll they'll talk about the the, the mental health of of the, the children of the town. But those are the real priority areas. They'll they'll talk about the the, the parks, the beach, um, and 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 the high street, and the transport. And when you get those things right, the knock-on effect, a, a, a sort of a happy side effect, is yeah. people use A and E less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, um, Katie? Did you sort of what you've noticed across your communities in terms of the voice of service users within dr- drug and alcohol services? Have they picked up on this way of working? Yeah, so, I mean, just picking up on what Mark said, so when you get this right, um, our service users are are particularly um, challenged, I guess, with with things such as suitable housing, relationships, loneliness, isolation, along with um, usually some coexisting, serious coexisting, um, health conditions, whether mental or physical. And when developing the primary care network, I guess for me, that question is how can you develop a model that doesn't include um, people who can make a difference? So in our primary care network, we have the head of housing. So we can have conversations about the impact of of housing on the town are are there landlords in the town who are mm. not meeting their statutory obligations and can housing step in and and sort that out do we need something new for the number of residents with dementia so these things have really helped us to to have better access more equitable access um for support for our client group and Beyond that, I think it's just a mindset of it, it was really telling to me during COVID in the very early days when everything was in huge short supply. Um, we we were trying to operate a service. We still needed to see people that were really risky and yeah. we couldn't even get hand gel, you know, and I, I mentioned this in a network meeting and immediately was offered a box full of hand gel to to pick up from outside the urgent care centre in Fleetwood, and and it's those kind of you know let let's just be there for each other and support each other. And I do feel like off the back of that as well, what's grown in Fleetwood is a community of hope. To support the professionals working in the town as well yeah so that that change people have picked up on it people have you know if you're talking to somebody an individual who's a resident in that community and your voice is is hopeful then that that's picked up on the tone is picked up on you know where you can suggest people go for support whether that you know, because the community has said, hey, we need this. We need we need a singing group or we need a, a veterans support service or we need a food bank. What whatever it is, the the community have just popped up all over with loads and loads of different things to support people. 
And that's what reduces hospital attendance as well, because if you are getting your needs met in some way within your own community, then you're less likely to be in crisis and try to access care in an unscheduled way when you don't need to. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And a, a, just a huge thank you to you both as well about when I have had the opportunity to parachute into the the odd Fleetwood meeting and you can definitely feel that it's a very equal playing field and it's a very supportive culture across multiple organizations and I think you know that's what you've both alluded to and it's amazing that you that's been created that energy and I think that's been created is the sort of the end message by you all being a bit humble and being authentic and being human with each other and that's what where that's grown from my kind of final thing for us just to to close today's conversation was just you know you've gone on such an amazing journey what's next (laughs) where next so do you need to say a little bit mark yeah off off you go katie yeah so the bit the bit that I wanted to talk about for next is so as as part of the early days with primary care network we talked about um some of the the kind of onerous processes for seeing each other's information in order to provide better care to people uh, make clinical decisions quickly so we were able to um begin a conversation about Uh, being part of the Lancashire Person Record Exchange server. It started in Fleetwood. It quickly spread to all of Lancashire. And and we we are now um, a publisher on Elpres so that the GP, the hospitals, the mental health teams, if they need to make a decision quickly about somebody, they can can view that record live, including um, our prescribing which is incredibly helpful. We Mm. are moving now as well to the next stage of that where we will then be able to view GP hospital records for for clients that are on our books as part of our clinical review process. That's, you know, we've consulted with our clients and that's incredibly important to them. They're not being asked the same question 20 times we don't have a consultant in A&E trying to decide whether it's safe or not to prescribe an opiate to somebody who's critically ill because they can view the record, they can see. And the same for us. You know, we will know if if one of our clients has been to see Mark this morning and been prescribed um, pregabalin, for instance. We, mm. We'll know that. Um, by by looking at, at their record on our system that that saves a lot of time as well it, it's really about a systematic approach to making sure that we have the information we need at the time we need it yeah that I mean that's mm-hmm. amazing and that, that you've already at that point because I know in some areas those records are still in fruition so that's that's a oh. great point mark what 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 did you want to add in terms of what's what's coming yeah. next <laughs> uh, what's coming next fleetwood academy fleetwood academy is uh, coming next is is what i'm putting my energy into at the moment okay um the, there is, there's no 
higher education facility in, in Fleetwood, no, no adult education facility in Fleetwood. Um, and, and education is the way out of poverty. And um, you know, what one of the one of the really uh, sad things about COVID is uh, the disruption to the education of of youngsters, mm-hmm. and um, that's going to affect disadvantaged communities more than than the more affluent. Um, uh, and ad- adults, um, lot, lots of employment redundancy, the the economic impact of COVID is going to be felt for for at least a generation in towns like Fleetwood. So in, improving people's access to education, to training is, is, is really important. So we've, we've taken ownership, we, uh, a charity in Fleetwood, Fleetwood Trust, we've taken ownership of, of what was a derelict community hospital, Fleet, Fleetwood Hospital, we, we're regenerating it. Mm. Um, and uh, part of the hospital will be uh, used to house a, a Fleetwood Academy, um, and that's being supported by Lancaster University. And, and that academy will not only be there for the education and training of, of youngsters and adults, but we're also going to use it as, as an education and training facility for integrated care. How, how do you learn about integrated care, integrated ways of working, uh, actually in the real world? So mm. using the whole of Fleetwood as a classroom to um, facilitate better integrated care. And I don't just mean across the, the health and care sector. Um, I'm talking about m- multi-agency training, including the police, fire service, uh, schools, health care, uh, and the residents themselves, all together in a single classroom, using the whole of Fleetwood as a classroom to, to, to learn together. And, and getting that training accredited um, by the university as, as courses that will count towards degrees and masters and, and so on and so forth, but, but primarily a, a way of getting our residents into employment. Both amazing examples. I can't, um, yeah, really exciting times ahead. And I can't thank you both enough for your time today. Um, I feel like you've both, really showing us that journey from where mark we opened up today talking about how in dire straits things felt all that that all those six seven years ago and and now you know we're talking about sharing systems and building academies so it's wonderful stuff but a huge thank you to you both for the time today thank you it's been an absolute pleasure thank you cheers thank you i've loved it